from Los Angeles, California. This is The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. This is a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Okay. Enjoy. So it's a little warm. Everybody comfortable? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Shalom. <laughs> Hola. Hola. Como esta? Okay, so welcome back to the relationship show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. Hello. That's Dr. Wendy. <laughs> Today we have Candace Dale McKenzie joining us, who is another colleague and friend of ours for a casual conversation. Candace, you want to do a little shout out? <laughs> Hello. Today we want to talk about body image and how it relates to self-esteem and how that influences relationships. A little light topic for today. (laughs) Happy Monday. (laughs) I do hope we can keep it on the lighter side. There's definitely um, darker places that people go to uh, when dealing with self-esteem and body image. But um, just generally, what do people mean when they're talking about body image? I think that my experience with body image and some of the work that I do is, you know, it's interesting people will come into me for body image work or maybe uh, an eating disorder, but it's actually, it it encompasses everything because it's not just about the obsession with a body part per se or a weight or a scale or a number. It's, I think it is very reflective of not only how they feel about themselves, but what their belief systems are about the world and how that how their identity is wrapped around perfectionism. So I think I always go to this. Um, I think we kind of live in this microwave society now, where everybody just expects things to happen, and you you come out perfectly, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like the whole right. like we grew up in the era of the microwave, right? Where you have this delicious meal and you put it in, and it comes out and it's perfect. And people have that expectation nowadays, which is really shocking to me. And not only do they have the expectation for it to be perfect, but it's unrealistic. There's just no way to be able to meet that perfectionism sort of myth, if you will. I'm laughing because when you said microwave, my yeah. association went to processed foods and mac and cheese because uh, oh. I was just thinking about that. Okay. Okay. So that's where I went. I know. <laughs> just stay with me for a second. Okay. I have a, a, a thought. But, okay. you know, and nowadays it's all about organic yeah. and the pressure to mm-hmm. eat organic. And this kind of comes up where in different areas in the orthorexia. world. Huh? It's called orthorexia. Orthorexia is not in the DSM-5, but it's actually a new term that they're using in the eating disorder community where people are becoming very obsessed with health. So you see people that are, I hate to say that word, but who are really obsessed with gluten-free, who are really obsessed with no salt, no sugar, no this, no that. And they become, they live like a very rigid lifestyle because of that. Orthorexia? It's called orthorexia. O-R-T-A. Orthorexia. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm sorry I interrupted you, but oh, that's okay. So you're talking, <laughs> but but you were saying you were going along the lines of how you're seeing people are where I'm coming in for my era was more the microwave society. You're going in much more talking about how people are going to. It sounds like you're talking about people going to the extreme of organic and healthy eating now, but maybe to extreme. 
Uh, I was thinking actually about just society and the pressure mm. of areas that do not have access to all of the healthy food, you know, organic oh. foods. And then, mm. you know, in the inner city areas that mm. uh, that is why obesity is such a huge thing mm. in some of the areas is because, you know, on every block there's McDonald's or Burger King or whatever, you know, and Twinkies are cheaper than, say, you know, organic carrots or something sure. like that. And yeah. and so I'm just thinking globally, mm-hmm. just the meta messages that were sent. And then, you know, you look at the magazines and then the pressure mm-hmm. for everyone. So I, I guess in my mind, I'm always thinking of socioeconomic mm-hmm. and I'm also thinking about multicultural implications, sure. especially a body image, because in some cultures, uh, being full figured um, you know, mm-hmm. is, is an asset. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So body image as I understand it, and please pipe in is how someone perceives their body, his or her own body and how they perceive other people perceive their body. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not just sort of one's internal belief about themselves, but also their internal belief about how everybody else mm-hmm. looks at them, not just how they see themselves. It seems to be influenced like what you're talking about from socioeconomics and culture, generational. It's like a collection of messages. And trends and fads and, you know, it's so fascinating what's going on in the world right now because, yes, you still have those magazines of the thin, anorexic, very twiggy-like models – But now, you know, we've got the Kardashians that are a little bit more fuller. Mm -hmm. And now everybody with the, you know, the buttocks, uh, the implants and Mm -hmm. getting more curvier. It's it's interesting. Now, what I've seen is really, really, really petite, thin, thin girls with these huge bottoms that look so inappropriate (laughs) and in proportion. You know, they're not in proportion Mm -hmm. to their bodies. And it makes me sad because it just makes me feel... That they think that's what they should be instead of, you know, being grateful and blessed for what we're born with, what we can appreciate, um, you know, genetically. And um, a lot has to do, obviously, I think, with the mother-daughter connection and what our mother's uh, view was, you know, and how she saw herself and just non-verbal or verbal communication Mm -hmm. styles. I, I, would, I love that you brought up the mother-daughter relationship because that is uh, there's been a lot of research on that too, especially when you're looking at um, eating issues, body image issues. Um, and I, I want to say it's about all mothers. I think it's a lot of it's a learned behavior from your family of origin and that for many of the clients that I work with, um, when I do a family session, sure enough, it becomes this thing where it's been interjected, like hearing the mom say, oh, I'm so fat. What do you think? I'm so fat. Or, oh, you shouldn't right. eat sugar. It's so bad for you. Or this is so bad for you. Do you get what I'm saying? And so these sort of messages have been sort of carried with them um, into their adult lives. And so part of the work that we do is helping them reframe it so it's much more realistic and it fits their value system for themselves. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. It's learned from... The people around us, and especially when we're younger, in something I read, they said that one's idea of the ideal body image is formed by the age of five. Mm -hmm. So when you think about how limited the influences are on a person up until the age of five, you are looking primarily at your caregivers, right? Your mom and your dad or your siblings and the messages that you're receiving inside the home, because a lot of kids don't 
really even go to school until then. And let me also say, too, that, you know, not to in any way sort of marginalize moms, there's also, you know, dads, too, as well. Like, you know, they'll like you're getting a little chubby there or this and that. Or do you get what I'm saying? Right. So, and I'm also not demonizing parents because no one gets a manual. You learn. You, you know, it's like not. nobody's perfect. I mean, I'm certainly saying being a parent's the hardest job in the world. But it is very fascinating with the work that I do that it's it's it comes out that these are they're not they're, they they have not formed these messages just solely from themselves. It's you know, it's coming from the family of origin too as well. And how do you sort of break that? And it so, can yeah. be so subtle. Very subtle. You know, whether yeah. it's a <laughs> an eye roll or yeah. just a twitch or mm-hmm. you know, ever a memory. Uh, it's funny now looking back, but it wasn't funny at the time that my grandmother had. Uh, she would always. Whenever we went to dinner, she would cut half of her food and give it to everybody on their plate, you know, and then she would just have two bites and say, oh, I'm a good girl. I finished everything. And then it kind of handed down to my mom um, where she fluctuated her whole life. Uh, She's an identical twin and her sister also fluctuating. Um, But growing up from zero to five, I could definitely say at five years old, I already got those messages. We would go out to dinner and my mom would, you know, the waiter would come by with the bread basket and my mom would have a strong kinesthetic reaction and she would say the bread basket bread is the enemy (laughs) and I would look at her and I really was confused because I really loved bread I love bread can I tell you I I love love bread bread. oh my god I love it if I could marry carbs I would I would I love it but but you know so I remember Mm -hmm. then myself being really confused should I now should I take what my mom is saying and be scared of the bread basket or should I enjoy the bread basket? Mm-hmm. And so I had to find that baseline. Sometimes you go the opposite direction right? because, you know, then you're in adolescence and you want to kind of like, you know, have that power struggle thing going. And then you have to realize like, wait a minute, it's my own relationship with food or my body or, um, you know, the, the family dynamics and kind of growing up. It's there's mm-hmm. so much that goes into um, really understanding and appreciating your own body image. And I think one of the important things to add to the conversation is that it is not just a female-oriented issue. And also, I mean, we see a lot that does have to do with the parents and the mother-daughter relationship. But it is something that happens with men and boys and it looks very different than it looks in girls. So I think that that can sometimes be confusing. People think, well, boys don't have the same kind of issues. And they do, they just look different. They're also getting messages about what they should look like. It's just that for boys, it's about looking bigger and stronger and tougher. And for girls, it's about looking slimmer or prettier in some way. I think that it's so interesting. I do think that there are some gender differences, absolutely, possibly about the the exteriors. But I think inner the inner world is all the same. Do you know what I'm saying? It, I feel lesser than. That's the bottom line, right? The bottom fear is all of this work to for perfectionism, whether it being eating, self-image, Whatever it is, it's always this bottom message of if I don't reach this goal, I'm lesser than. At least that's what I hear over and over and over again. Right. I'm lesser than. I'm going to be unlovable. This is how I validate myself. And so I think that there are gender differences, yes, but we're all, you know, male, female, whatever. We're kind of all the same when it comes to that arena. Yeah. 
And it's all a collection of the messages that we're yeah. receiving from yeah. the people close to us and the media. I'm also thinking about teenagers when I mm. see adolescents, uh, especially boys that struggle with their weight mm. and the way that they communicate it, uh, you know, keeping it in and being really quiet about it, a little bit different than some of the girls that I have worked with. Um, the boys tend to just kind of layer and, you know, really hide and not even think that they're allowed to talk about it, you know. They, they, but once you open that door, there's so many sensitive feelings about it mm-hmm. and, and you know, just wanting to help them relax in life and mm-hmm. to appreciate, you know, you're, you're more than your tummy, you know. Aww. You're more than, we're, we're more than just skin and bone. Like, where, where are you in? all this you know where's your heart where's your soul where's your moral compass your your values where where's passion and meaning for your life mm-hmm. you know does that just go all you know is it all about the hips and the belly or is it I mean aren't we more than that absolutely I would certainly hope so I love that we're having this conversation because I think that there has been a huge shift in the past two years with there's much more of acceptance that men definitely have the same issues as women do um, with body yeah. image, self-image, body dysmorphia. I, I, I have several male clients who are coming in for body dysmorphia and there are residential uh, treatment centers now that are specifically solely for men now too as well. So, um, and I I love that it's becoming much more open and this message that just because you're a guy, just because you're male and if you have these, you know, you're having issues with this, you can find help. So and, and that makes me really happy to hear that it's not just just for women only, I guess. Yeah. No, that's nice to hear that yeah. there are more centers open for men. Do you mm-hmm. know of any themes or patterns that they tend to be more with the restricting and anorexia or is mm-hmm. it more bulimia or do you- I, I would say, I, you know, in my experience, I, you know, I haven't experienced any of the clients with the bulimia that I know that that's there. I would say. Um, I have uh, much more of the body dysmorphia, which is, uh, you know, follows along the line of obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. disorder. Mm-hmm. So um, that will fall along the lines of muscle dysmorphia, which again, sorry, these orphias and exia that a lot of people may not be aware of, but you can find these things online if you punch them in. A lot of the muscle um, dysmorphia where the performance enhancing drugs, I, I see a lot of that, which is... Um, quite dangerous, you know, especially for young people because they're growing and developing and then the long-term effects of steroids. Yeah. Which snowballs into major addiction. Exactly. Because, and they're coming in, um, because there are problems now in their life, you know, it's become where it was, it was somewhat contained and now it's gotten completely out of control where there's anger management issues. There's legal issues because, right. You know, um, the anger or the impulsivity, interpersonal, or in, you know, with relationship, intimate relationships. Yes, yeah, we've got we've gotten into some problems with that, and also there's you know physical problems too, such as um, heart issues, um, uh, you know, uh, liver damage. Uh, the list can go on and on and on and on. But I I do notice that. Um, there is also the sort of, um, with, you know, we see that with wrestlers, I think there's been a lot of like great documentaries that have talked in, uh, shows that have sort of talked about 
what is that show called on MTV? Like, this is your life or something like that. But they have sort of these young boys who are doing wrestling and they have to, they have to be a certain weight. And so it becomes um, so obsessive. They weigh them yes. all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I totally value that, you know, this is a sport and I totally get like, I've totally valued that the love for that, but where do we draw the line? The balanced view, right? Where right. are we drawing the line? I always go to, how do we find a sense of balance? I was yeah. just thinking that, yeah. that there really needs to be a balance yeah. and influence that promotes balance, especially mm-hmm. with younger people who are learning to control their impulses yeah. and their mm-hmm. desires and sure. sort of find stage of life stuff, which I know Dr. Wendy and I talk about a lot, yeah. that, you know, where are they in those ages? It's all about identity and yeah. where do you fit in? When you want to be a part of the team and you want to be the star in your mm-hmm. weight class, yeah, that was really, it was funny that you mentioned that because when I was in high school, that was really the first time that I ever noticed men obsessing or boys, males mm-hmm. obsessing about losing weight. Yeah. I mean, I knew jocks who wanted to get mm-hmm. bigger. I, you know, I understood that you wanted to bulk up to yeah. be a better football player mm-hmm. or whatever the need was, but to actually tr- be trying to sweat off pounds before. And the diuretic use, yeah. which can be so dangerous too as well. So because of the dehydration levels and that can definitely fluctuate your moods. And and so then it becomes this habit that even when they start to leave, you know, the wrestling world, they've made a connection, right? With a sense of value of, of being a certain weight. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that even though the sport has, you know, maybe evolved for them, they still, this they've had this very close relationship with that sort of behavior and how they value themselves. And so how do we find ways to sort of shape and reframe that? Um, The other thing too with the body dysmorphia, and it's focusing on a certain one body part too, like for men, like a bigger chest or... Do you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. So it's, yeah. not just, it's not just about weight. It's like, I mean, women do this too. We're all like, oh, I wish this, you know, we all talk about this. I wish my one, bo- you know, my booty, my stomach or whatever, my muffin top or. Yeah. Everybody has one thing that yeah. they focus on. Yeah. But usually. the difference is, is that the obsession goes, it's a full, the difference with body dysmorphia is you're thinking about it all day. It's a constant like rumination. You're constantly talking about it in your brain. It affects your relationships. You it can't affects, relax. You start to isolate. Yeah. Um, you start to not engage in your life or meet your goals. Um, it becomes like an, another entity. It becomes a relationship. And dysmorphia is basically the idea of a distortion in one's view of oneself. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you're talking about, it's an extreme compulsive behavior, but it's really a distortion of what is real. It can can be distorted, but it also can be real in the sense of like a small imperfection, right? There could be like a small scar or something. So augmented. Yes, yeah. So yes, there could be like a small scar, but they've made it into, because I have this scar, it's, you know what I'm saying? It, It covers my whole body and I can't, people... People are looking at this, Scott. Do you know what I'm saying? People, they're hyper-focusing on yeah. this. I'm just giving, like, examples. So. And it's yeah. so painful to watch it. Yeah. You know, for many, many years, I've worked with a lot mm-hmm. of people who struggle with eating disorders and disordered eating and body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so painful because you'll sit there and truly, they, at times, will feel crazy. They will feel, mm-hmm. it's like... Um, you know, when you go to those fairs and you look at those magazines, those mirrors, and they d- yeah. totally distort. Funhouse mirrors. Yes. Yeah. And they, that's how they live life is that they can't, they're not grounded and they, they, it really makes them uh, just so 
devastated because they can't think of anything else. And so then when we're talking about the adolescent stage of identity versus role confusion, and then it just slowly goes into the young adulthood of um, intimacy versus isolation, that's really hard because if you are fixated and obsessing and um, can't really feel grounded about, you know, that it really it's you're feeling it's all about your hips, but deep down inside, it really feels a loss of control in life, right? And then later on, trying to have intimate relationships, um, it goes back to what you were saying again, Candace, about, you know, not worthy of feeling a connection or attachment or, um, you know, true intimacy. So I think getting fixated on it also is a way of keeping people away, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and staying with an unrealistic kind of expectation, but mm-hmm. you, and, and kind of staying in denial about it, mm-hmm. you know, but not wanting to, but it's yeah. just, yeah. it's a safer way to live for some people Definitely, because the mm-hmm. connection is too devastating to think about because then that would make it real. Mm-hmm. I always like to say that it's the third, you know, especially if, there, if it's, if we're talking in the, the sense of uh, being in a relationship with somebody who has, you know, issues like this, there's a third person in the relationship. Do you guys get that? You're dealing with a third person in the relationship. And yes. so how do you start to reframe and restructure that? And yep. how, how, so that's part of the work that I like to get into, which I think is so fascinating. Cause, and, and also just to kind of give you a little caveat, I'm a recovered member of an, of an eating disorder. I mean, I am a survivor. I know what I, I, I had a relationship with my eating disorder. It was an entity that um, took precedence over everything, took precedence over my health, over my relationships with my parents, you know, romantic relationships, work relationships, I would always choose this over everything else because in my mind, that was, I felt safe, like you were talking about, that I felt safe, I felt in control, I felt this was the one thing in my life I could do perfectly, right? Everything else I could control, but I could control this. So I don't know if that helps people because I I always feel like you're not alone. (laughs) There are other people that have survived this. Like, can we all not just raise our hands in this room? You can't see us. Have we not all like gone there and like, I do not like this part of my body or I ate too much or I'm feeling, you know, like what's wrong with me? Why can't I look like these? You know what I'm saying? Like these are normal thoughts that people, I think everybody thinks about and that there is help and there is hope. And, and um, if I can say that I've come through this, you know, on the other side and I have peace with my body and peace with my food then you can do this too as well. <laughs> do you feel, this is a common question, like do you feel that it completely goes away or is it something, you know, that, mm-hmm. that you struggle, not struggle with, but it's kind of, you know, going to be lingering. Mm-hmm. If you don't manage it, it can come right back. I, I Does think, it ever go away? I, I think I look at it for me, it's a theme of peace and peace for me is never, you know, cutting something completely off. It's making peace with it. So my eating disorder is still there, but it's in a positive, healthy way. So that if it has its voice, which it does, I'm like, I oh, what is this about? Is this about the food or the body, my skin or my muffin top, whatever? Or is this about you're not feeling loved right now? What's you're, going on emotionally Emotionally for you? inside. So yeah. you do I a check-in a with yourself. I, it, it's the it's inner. So my eating disorder, I externalize it. So I have like a, a, I mean, if you, distance, I, I, it's not, it's not that I get the distance, but I have embraced it. It is the inner child in me. If you want to call it the shadow, like everyone has those different terms, right? It is that little child in me that didn't feel loved. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so it just, it was the tantruming child. Love me, hear me, be with me. And so right? sometimes that flares up. Oh, yes. And what I, we call the ed. Yes. You know, um, I have an ebook out called No Ed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of people are thinking it's erectile dysfunction. No. <laughs> but it's No Ed because uh, many nutritionists and specialists yeah. call it the eating disorder. Like it's yes. the ed voice that yeah. flares up and then yes. it goes away. And so yeah. sometimes they will, you know, talk to their food. And I, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, I never had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. per se, but I had struggles. I always fluctuated with mm -hmm. my weight since I was little, but so it's something I've managed my whole life, but sometimes it gets a little harder and sometimes it's easier. Um, and so, you know, my son will have chips and really a lot of junky food at home and sometimes I'll start to eat it and then mm -hmm. I'll say uh, no or stop because I'll say and I'll do my checklist. What's yeah. going on right now? Mm -hmm. Am I really hungry for mm -hmm. that salty, yummy mm -hmm. thing or, you know, am I bored? Am I trying to avoid doing something? Thing. I mean, I have to kind of do yeah. a little check-in. Yeah. And sometimes a chip is just a chip. <laughs> and you can eat it. You know? This could be useful. Yeah, and it's I, I, I love that you, you know, that you're bringing up what I love. It's called intuitive eating. And so this is kind of how I found my, this is the peace part that I'm talking about that, that, that um, and everyone has their different recovery story. So I'm just giving you mine. When I'm talking about peace with my ad, that, that's where I found my space, right? But intuitive eating is this belief that um, you do a check-in and you you talk to your body, you talk to your ad, you talk to like, hey, what what do you need right now, right? What 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 do you feel that would give you the love, the comfort, right? Um, and you do that checklist, right? Mm -hmm. And then then you um, you nourish your body with that. So if it's a little bit of ice cream, then you do that. If it's a little bit of chips, if it's then doing something, you know, eating something healthy. Do you get what I'm saying? It's the balanced approach. Right. Instead of you never want to do the black right. and white. Do you get what I'm saying? All good foods. <laughs> All bad foods. Just like working out, all good scale, all bad scale, right? So all good stomach, all bad stomach. So right? negotiation is key. Totally. It's negotiation called... with Ed, the Absolutely. eating disorder voice of Okay, up. you really want this ice cream. Let's 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 have a conversation. Oh, I can uh, you're you're raging up. I can let's talk. Is this ice cream to numb out and to not or is this self-care? Because self-care is different. The numbing out. Mm -hmm. Do you see the difference? Absolutely. Totally difference in oh, it's self care because you know there's some you know I I love rituals of food. I th I think that's the the part that I found love with again. Do you get what I'm talking about? The ritual of food, like having dinner with friends or celebration, celebration or an achievement, achievement, and like I I felt like that's like wow, that's the love of food. Food for me is not just nourishment for my body, but it's like happy times with you know I get to cook and. Meals for people and enjoy people's. It's communal. There's that's my culture, my ritual, like that I can get back into again that I love and that Ed feel my Ed feels comfortable with me because I'm holding its hand on this journey and not being punished no. or held hostage by yes. It. Okay. it sounds to me like an Ed in one's life is a little bit like having a manageable condition, like diabetes or for, for myself, I've got colitis, uh, and that you can be in remission almost, that there are going to be times yeah. when it's going to flare up. There may be times when one is more vulnerable. 
Absolutely. And, but, and everyone has different, again, everyone has a different journey. I mean, for me, this is my personal, I'm recovered. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like we, like people talk about, I'm an alcoholic. No, no, no. I'm going to say here to all you guys, I'm recovered because I work my hiney off for this. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm recovered. I'm done. I, I will never, ever, ever go back. And the reason I'll never, ever go back is because I've been through crisis in life, right? Death, sadness, breakups, whatever it is. I've been through some pretty tough crisis and I had never went back. I never, you know, went back to the, the full blown eating disorder. I never let Ed go for it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm a former smoker, so yeah. it sounds to me a little bit like that as well. And, yeah. and we can talk another time about the pathology behind smoking as a little, you know, a little suicidal urge, a little depression totally. and wanting to kill yourself slowly. Self-injury behavior. Right, yeah, for exactly. Sure. Yep. And, and it sounds a little bit like that, that mm-hmm. at this point in my life, I can't imagine ever having a cigarette. That doesn't mean that there aren't times when I think, oh, God, look at that person with that beer and that smoke <laughs> on that balcony. I wish I were them. But then I'm also thrilled to be who I am and where mm-hmm. I am and to not have that monkey on my back anymore. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds a little bit maybe like that, too. It sounds very balanced. But I love the idea of referring to yourself as recovered to declaring yourself that mm. proudly and reminding yourself because I see the, the advantages I'm on the other side and I'm like I, I it's just the, I pro, it's so it's like the pros and cons I'm like I would never want to go back to that again I would never want to go back to some of the behaviors of like when people would ask me to go out to lunch I would uh look at the restaurant and examine the menu before I went I would never want to go back to like, you know, um, hiding food. You know what I'm saying? If someone would serve you food and they turn their head and I would scrape some food off. And my grandma had told, yeah, yeah, she would. I would never want to do that again, ever. You know what I'm saying? I would never want to count calories or uh, be obsessed about weighing myself three or four times a day. Or so, um, you know, I feel like life is so much more beautiful. I'm, I'm 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 much more present. I'm in the here and the now, enjoying the moment. Moving on. Intimacy. We're talking about being Mm -hmm. able to relax Mm -hmm. and have a buy-in to intimacy and trust in life. You know? Relaxing and feeling (laughs) loved, Mm -hmm. lovable, loving, Mm -hmm. and, and worthy of paying attention and really feeling in connection and mm. just saying, I am okay no matter what. You mm. know, I, like I said, I, whenever I had the, the, you know, the, I call it accordion <laughs> hips where it's like, I'll go up a couple pounds, I'll go down. But I always did that. So it's nothing mm. new. But I, I know that when I was up a few pounds and I had this big feeling, I would say, wait a minute. And I would say this out loud. I didn't kill anyone. I just had some pizza. <laughs> and and you know what? Then I would also or and I, I know, but but I'm saying that in the scheme of life, Aww. in the scope of things, mm. I had to say things out loud or wait a minute. Let me think about what's going on with the world mm. crisis issues and let me think uh, two pieces of pe- you know five pieces of pizza, uh girls stolen <coughs> in Nigeria. And don't ever see their family. Um, you know what? I have a lot of blessings and I'm very grateful. And there's some other things in life that I need to do. And it's not 
the obsessing on my hips. But that's a lot of work. Uh, what I'm hearing but is it's worth it. <laughs> there is a connection between kind of these feelings of shame and being able to put things in perspective uh, in the moment, which is obviously, as we were talking about, <laughs> difficult to do. Uh, even when you know that you need to do it, it's not an easy thing necessarily to just default to that. It's got to take practice to default to gratitude and perspective. And, and that really stands out to me as something else that you're saying there is that you are recognizing in those moments what you're grateful for. You're grateful that you have access to pizza. Some people don't have access to enough food sure. or to the medicines that they need mm -hmm. to clear up their skin or have the funds to get their hair done or whatever the area mm -hmm. that somebody wants to improve upon or feels bad about that mm -hmm. to understand how lucky we are to have these, I hate to say it, kind of bourgeois problems sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's more on an everyday level. I'm not talking about the extreme pathology because that's something else. But And I love that you bring up this sort of cultural context, you know, different cultures. I think that's so, you know, beautifully said on both of your ends. Um, I had, um, you know... Uh, um, you know, I've dealt with some clients who come from different cultures where food is not, you know, it's not easy access to get food, right? It's very, very difficult. And so um, these sort of binge eating disorders kind of evolve, not because they it's a body image, but because, oh my God, they have all this food. And for them, it's the sense of, Oh my, it's like being in a candy store, right? Like I have all this stuff, you know. It's a saying? trauma reaction. It's a trauma actually, reaction. From it's a bad yes, and, and so they're just they're just they're just eating it because they're scared. They're never going to see it ever again. They're going to go back to what happened to them before and sort of the the country and the culture that they lived in before, which is so fascinating because we have such a luxury here, right? They would talk about going to the grocery store and you have like aisles of like ten different types of cereals and this and that and just like. Oh my gosh, I have to have this because, like you said, it's the trauma. So, and then you think of, yeah. you know, socially, like the portions are oh. so obnoxious. Well, yeah. this is what was uh, standing out to me as you were just saying that about the grocery store. And yeah. earlier I was thinking about the big business of weight loss and bodybuilding and fitness, but there's also a big business of food. There's a yeah. big business of the chain restaurants, the portions, like you're talking about, Wendy, mm -hmm. the American size, which people all <laughs> over the world make fun of us yeah. about. Or the know. hormones that go into, I mean, have you ever yeah. seen a grape that looks like a an <laughs> apple? <laughs> That's ridiculous. It is, you know? But then if I want to buy the organic oh grapes, yeah. that's five dollars mm -hmm. more. And if you mm -hmm. think of the local per you know, and the they're smaller. Person, and and they're they and look they're like grapes. Bruised, they look like yeah. uh no raisins. There's <laughs> such mixed messages. And I think stage of life is also really important when when it flares up and when it struggles. Because Jenny, you're saying like from zero to five we get, you know, some some messages that are stamped into our, you know, consciousness. And, and then you think about if you're a teenager or a young adult, you know, I'm so grateful because when I do work with young women, teenagers who struggle, and again, it's on a spectrum from a full-blown eating disorder, disordered eating, to someone who really struggles and it's still very painful for them, um, there is something so beautiful about getting older. Can we just talk oh, about that for today? Can, can I get yes. an amen? Amen. Get, uh, hallelujah. Yeah, Praise the Lord. So have with you on that. I mean, it's just <laughs> a blessing. And I just look oh. and I think, 
it's going to get easier because when you get older, you don't give a fuck anymore. You don't care. You're like... Well, if you're lucky. Well, yes, if you're lucky. If you're lucky because because you've lived life where you've gone through a lot of things mm-hmm. and good things and not such great things yeah. but there you you get the spiritual message it sounds a little you know flighty but stay with me the mo- the the beautiful life message that life is so spiritual that there's so much work to be done helping another in 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 this world and in your mission and your purpose your passion you know that that there's so much work and if you take that energy and you shift it, um, you know, as you get older with experience that we just don't have time and that we're too tired to focus (laughs) on what we used to have the luxury and the time to do in in an unhealthy way, if that makes sense. That reminds me of another statistic that I found that said that 95% of people with eating disorders are between the ages of 12 and 25. There you go. So... You're talking about age and the importance of the body image, and that also is significant because 25 is now the age at which researchers and scientists say that our brain finishes developing by age 25. So when you think about that, that those distortions already, those thought distortions already exist just developmentally, and then to add in whatever messages are being fed to an individual that makes them think that they need to be different or uh, physically or need to be perfect or please or they've had success in one area. If you're only ever praised because you are so pretty or because you're so thin or because you're so strong, then those things are going to become really important to maintain. And then, so what you're saying is in, or I was going to say early childhood, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, and college years, you were so distracted with anxiety, uh, trauma, or depression, or what, that you can't relax and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. So it makes you feel unavailable. And then you have an adult who then can struggle with intimacy issues or trust. And, uh, the wonderful news about all of this, because all of us are therapists, um, is that there is help. And I know I sound like a commercial right now, but y- you have to know there's help. And, and you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> you're so not alone. And yeah. it is possible to relax in life mm-hmm. and feel in control and really value and appreciate how beautiful you are and how you came into this world. And there's a lot of reparenting. There's a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it takes it takes a lot of work. Really? Just relax. Exactly. And come see us. But it, I mean, Candace, it can be done, right? I oh, mean, it can totally be done. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I think that, um, I think my healing process was not only finding a very compassionate um, therapist, but I think the... Um, the catalyst for me was jumping into a group because I heard other people's story and I'm like, Oh, it's not just me. I don't think, you know, I'm not thinking, I'm not just the only person thinking these 
very self-damaging, unloving thoughts. So is everybody else in this group. And so there was a, um, just a wonderful healing energy of that. And, um, so yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, there's so, you know, and I think because as the, um, the ed community contends to continues to grow, um, and there's more self-awareness, there's so much, you know, information that you can find, you know, as far as chat groups and you can find a local place and you don't, you, know, you can find a free group to, to, to pop into if you want to. Okay. Right? Yeah. I have a question. So I'm just playing yeah. devil's advocates. Yes. Um, would you think that sometimes people could pick up more negative behaviors by linking to, you know, like we have a whole bunch of girls throughout the years who uh, will, and especially with technology now, one of the big things is that they hashtag frail or hashtag yeah. these sort of competitive weight loss. Oh my yeah. God, uh, thin inspiration. I mean, I don't want to give people ideas, but I think it's yeah. important for everybody to sure. be aware of. Especially for parents to be aware of, to look for these things um, yeah. that their kids might be looking at. I'm I mean, sure. I guess you can pick up tricks anywhere, but if I guess if you're in that mind frame, then that's mm-hmm. where you're at. But uh, what do you say to that? Isn't it uh, they could everybody could be at risk if you join a group and you hear certain stories or join? Not that I, I think groups are wonderful, yeah. But like yeah. or technology. Mm. Um, what do you think about? Well, that? I mean, I guess it's the kind of the same thing of like you know when you talk about like dealing with a suicide. If you do, you know what I'm saying there's I don't think that there you have it's it's there it's in the room it's it's it there i don't think that there's anything to be said for having that discussion is going to exacerbate it even more because it's already there it's yeah. already there right. so i think that i totally get because there are some put it this way there are some clients we definitely want to tell don't go to the internet because then it becomes this whole thing of obsess of obsessing over that well even the healthiest people yeah. they have yeah. a lump they go online and then <laughs> yeah, they become exactly. obsessed with the idea that yeah. they've got cancer yeah. because they're looking it up online yeah so i i agree with you i think that they're just it's about we're looking at Balance. You know, my suggestion of going online is that there's the National Association of Eating Disorders. You know, there's ANAD. There's that that kind of like if you're, especially if you're, oh my gosh, if you're a parent of a teenager who's going through this, right? Or you're a spouse and you don't know what to do and you you're afraid to talk to anybody. It's there for you, so right? It's all it about can, education. It's just yeah. total like beginning education, and they can hook you up to other resources so that you can go and get professional help. I don't think you know. All self-care needs to be done. It, it, I don't think that could be... You need to go see somebody, especially if things have gotten to really extreme. You need to go see seek a professional. Absolutely. And so yeah. it's one person in sharing and opening up and starting to talk about it and family mm-hmm. members. And it's another when anyone sees someone who's struggling and it's just the quiet behavior that mm-hmm. they're not talking about yeah. it. That yeah. it's a good reminder as a friend, as a mother, as a mm-hmm. sister, as a daughter to try to open up that discussion a little bit, yeah. you know, out of love and care and concern. Yeah. It's so important to get some psychoeducation if you are concerned, right? Because you don't know what to do. And immediately you go to, oh, no, honey, you're not fat. Or, oh, you look so skinny. Do you get what I'm saying? Right. Or, oh, you look so, or for You're men. wrong. Yeah, or you're wrong. Yes. Or, oh, my God, you're so, you look at your muscles like talking about guys. So what you want to do is not do that. Do you get what I'm saying? Because you're reinforcing, Right that sort of negative but you could be compassionate and go I I validate for you that this is something that really bothers you 
Um, but I think, you know, you're such a loving person. You're so compassionate. Do you get what I'm saying? You're doing more of the internal in, internal or as opposed to external, yes. you're shifting their focus, you're shifting focus because you can trigger a person by going, you can trigger someone who's an full blown on eating disorder going, Oh, you're not fat. You're so skinny. And what are you talking about? And it starts in infancy. Yeah. How often do we look at babies and say, you're so pretty. Mm-hmm. You're so, Oh, look Aww. at those beautiful eyes. Right. What about, you know, that they have a beautiful giggle or that they're tracking Mm -hmm. you or that they are so strong when they squeeze your finger, you know, some other things than just the the outside, you know, uh, stimulus factor. Moving on. You were talking about how other people all around you, as you get older, you realize that everybody sort of has an issue with something and that you were talking about being in a group and sort of... Mm -hmm. Finding that validation of your experience that you weren't alone. The statistic is currently around 91% of women, men it's a little less, but are unhappy with their bodies. 91%? 91. 91%. Yeah. yeah, I believe it. That's insane. Yeah. In part two of this episode, Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny continue their conversation with Candace Dale McKenzie on body image, eating disorders, self-esteem, and relationships. Providing tips and resources that challenge messages keeping us stuck, they share ideas on improving interactions with those who might not think as much of themselves as others do. Stay tuned. You've been listening to The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny, a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Jenny J.V. Wilson see clients in private practice in Los Angeles, California, and can be found online at www.doctorwendyoconnor.com and www.jennijbwilson.com. For entertainment purposes only. Up next, part two of a conversation with Candace Dale McKenzie. Let's have a look. Oh, I am good. <laughs> <laughs>